Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. If you're someone who thinks our politics are a little too dominated by older Americans, we're going to try to change your mind a little today by introducing you to some of the youngest local representatives here in Metro Detroit. They're part of a wave, smallish but formidable, of younger people taking a more active interest in representation and government. We'll also hear from some folks trying to recruit more young people into the political process. That's all next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. WDET is supported by the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, celebrating and honoring black history throughout the year. Open to the public Wednesday through Sunday. Details and information on all programs and exhibitions at thewright.org. Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join us. When you think about our politics, our government in the United States, who do you think of? Maybe you think of older people, and you couldn't really be blamed for that. Some people call our politics and our government a gerontocracy. And what they mean is that people in office today are old. Older, in fact, than the average American. And look, I can say that now because I'm also getting up there in the years. Consider recent presidential candidates and Recent presidents, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders. And think about Congress, the House and Senate, disproportionately represent older Americans. About 25% of the folks in Congress are over 70 years of age. And right now, there are pretty hot debates within Democratic circles about whether the current president, Joe Biden, despite recruiting much younger cabinet members than himself, should run for a second term because he is 80 years old. All of these numbers leave us some questions. Why are our politics skewed toward older individuals? And what kind of barriers exist for younger people to participate in politics? And how does this older skew change our politics? How does it alter what we focus on, what we care about, and what problems go unaddressed and unsolved? A little later in the hour, we're going to talk with someone from Run for Something, which is an organization that's trying to get more young people with progressive leanings to run for office. But right now, we want to start the show by talking with two young representatives about why they decided to run for office, how their perspectives differ 
from those older than them and why, in Michigan at least, younger people seem to be more interested in and suddenly more active in our politics. That's where we begin the conversation today, and I want to introduce our two young representatives. Charlie Cavell is a 32-year-old Democrat and an Oakland County commissioner. Uh, Charlie, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, thanks for having me. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Happy to be here. <laughs> That's right. And Charlie, you are maybe a first-time caller, but you and I have known each other for quite some time. So you're a familiar voice, at least to me. Uh, also, Rob Donovic is with us. He is a 31-year-old Republican who is sitting on the Livonia City Council, Councilman Rob Donovic. Welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. I was pretty shocked, actually. I just turned 31. I kind of feel old. So <laughs> now uh, now being 31, I'm uh, maybe above the hill, above the hill. I don't know, but no, well, sincerely, thank you. Yeah, I, as someone much older, I'll tell you, 31 is not, is not old. Well, you look great. You look great. <laughs> All right, so Charlie, I'm going to start with you. Talk about why you think it's important for young people to run for office and what got you interested in being uh, in, in, in politics? Yeah, I think, uh, well, so first, um, I think it's good to frame it as uh, not just good to have young people, but making sure that we recognize that our democracy is really only as strong as those who participate in it. So making sure that younger voices are lifted up, and that also includes not just young voices, but voices that often aren't heard or recognized are a part of the conversation. And that also means, you know, the folks that are, you know, not able to participate in politics on a regular basis because they're just too busy trying to keep their jobs or housing or worried about the, you know, daily struggles of life for a lot of folks just to stay middle class or become middle class. So I think it's, it's about, making sure our democracy is as robust as it can be. Because, you know, elections happen once every two or four years, or, you know, city elections are happening this November. But there's there's things happening to you if you're not participating, and things not happening with you if you're not conscious or a part of the democratic process. Yeah. Um, but the thing that got me involved was, um, kind of to that end, when I was a kid, you know, I was being raised by my dad as a single parent after my mom passed away. And then my dad got arrested. And so this series of experiences, you know, ultimately I got adopted when I was 16 by a different family. All of those series of things led me to understand and see what it was like to be vulnerable and voiceless and, you know, invisible. So I wanted to understand how I could fix that or what I could do to basically heal that childhood trauma. So um, I got into politics to, you know, plug that hole in my heart, which... As I've been doing this, I've seen a lot of people do it for that same sort of reason. <laughs> wow. So, so as I said, Charlie, you and I have known each other for some time, and I, and I can remember kind of you making that shift from somebody who was deeply interested in government and politics and, and you know, working to, to sort of understand and, and advocate for issues that mattered uh, to you and and when you decided okay now I'm going to I'm going to run uh for for political office um talk about that moment and what 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 it was and what issues were on your mind uh when you said hey I I really do feel like I can contribute best as as somebody sitting at the table Oh yeah well I think first it was someone else told me I should run for something. 
Uh, so I think that was a big deal because having been involved in helping campaigns or volunteering for campaigns or voting and participating, knocking doors and all that, I'd always been involved and, you know, interested. But then someone said to me, hey, you should run for something, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought, oh, sure, when I'm like 55 or 60, you know, I'll have <laughs> I have to buy a house. I have to get a car. I have to, you know raise kids and do all the normal America family stuff, and then I'll do it. And they said, no, you should do it now. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, to be honest, it was someone else saying, her name's Julia. So it was a woman named Julia who was 60 at the time saying, you should run for something. And uh, that's when I started to take it seriously. And then the first thing I did when um, actually starting to do it is kind of get my group of friends and supporters together, just a few of us, you know, my now wife and one of my closest friends who became our campaign manager and saying, okay, should we actually just tell people what we believe and be open and honest about it? Or mm-hmm. or should we try and say what other people say? So that was also a really exhilarating experience because um, you really get to know yourself when you run for office. <laughs> I'm sure Rob thinks the same way as, you know, <laughs> knocking on 10,000 doors, people really ask you why you think the way you think. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You really have to have it figured out. Uh, Rob, I want to bring you into the conversation uh, here and have you answer the same question. Uh, what was it uh, that, that inspired you to, to become part of, of government, to run for, for political office? Uh, and what difference do you feel – it makes uh, to have someone your age uh, at the council table there in Livonia. I love how the commissioner mentioned a series of events, and really that was what led me to get involved politically, was a series of events in my family. So my, fa- my father, my family immigrates to America from former Yugoslavia. They're Albanian, ethnic Albanians that lived in former Yugoslavia. It was not easy for ethnic Albanians to live in that region mm-hmm. at that time in the 80s and so on. So my dad and family come to America with nothing. And they are the epitome of the American dream. You come to America, you work hard, you pave your own way, and and you may not be the richest, you may not uh, have everything you may want, but you have freedom, economic prosperity, and opportunity. And that's what I always heard my father growing up as a kid. And he said, Robert, we have an opportunity. We lost our house in, in the Great Recession, uh, filed for bankruptcy. I mean, the, the so many of those same stories that Americans across our country deal with, my family dealt with. But I saw my dad and my family work hard and continue to just push forward. And that was what I saw was the American dream. Regardless of what you're going through in the moment, you can continue to to persevere and, and make it. And from there, I saw these different community organizations help my family and help other families. And my dad became a small business owner operating a small restaurant. And, and I helped my dad. I mean, again, he had no education uh, uh, American education. So filling out forms and helping those little things for him while he was trying to be a cook at a restaurant and, and pay the bills for the family and make sure that we had the education that he didn't have as a child growing up in his former country. So I saw those series of events take place in my life. And you start going to the city halls and, and you start meeting the different elected officials and the different people behind the scenes in the city. And, and that always that always was with me. And then I joined the military. I do a tour in the Middle East. I joined the police department as a reserve officer. So all these things culminating, eventually I'm going to run for office. And, and sort of like the commissioner said, people start saying, hey, you should volunteer. Come knock some doors with me. Come put up a few lawn signs. And they start using you as inexpensive labor as a volunteer. And, and uh, I think like most of us, we became outspoken on our issues that mattered to us. And next thing you know, you find yourself filing for office and knocking on 10,000 doors, <laughs> spending your entire summer Uh, trying to get people to vote for you. And you really find out a lot about yourself because there are some long days in the campaign train, whether at the local level, 
the, the county level, the state level. But me personally, I've been so thankful to have a lot of great older representatives, my colleagues, that really helped groom me when I needed help, were there for me when I had questions. I mean, so many of my friends that I serve with really were able to help me. But in Michigan, you made a good point. Michigan does have a lot of a, a younger elected officials. I mean, whether you look at the Republican level, State Representative Andrew Beeler is a young person, or the Democrat level, you had State Representative Joel Jones. Mm-hmm. You look at me as a Republican on city council, you look at the commissioner there in Oakland County. So you do have a lot of young people that are working hard to, to speak up about things that matter to us. And I, I don't think that it makes a big difference if you're young or old, but we do have different perceptions yeah. of life. When let, let, let's things. talk about that in in kind of substantive and practical terms. Uh, Rob, I'll start with you. What 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 are some of the issues that you feel like, uh, because of your age, you may have more interest in or a different perspective uh, about than than your older than your older colleagues? Yeah. So I look at it through the lens of what what I deal with on a daily basis and and um, through a local level. We do a lot of what what developments are coming to your community, what redevelopments are taking place in your community. I'm always looking at how do we remove blight, and maybe sometimes I can be more aggressive with it. How do we partner with those with those uh, private public partnerships and to eliminate that blight? Sometimes people don't like change, though. From a local perspective, I've noticed, and it's become frustrating sometimes. But I also understand the sensitivity. It is difficult difficult to accept change. So from a local level, trying to push forward some of these initiatives, the, the, the thing that I see sometimes you're kind of beating down on the door of change. Now, we don't like it. We've always done it this way. We're going to continue to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie, I want to give you a chance, too, to talk about the way your age influences um, you know, a substantive difference, I suppose, in the way that, that you represent your constituents or the way that you kind of debate or, or think about issues uh, on, the, on the commission? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it, first, it's important to recognize, at least in my experience, that it's an exchange. Um, so the part, though, just to answer your question that I think I, I give instead of receive, I, I think uh, your point about how you debate is apt. It's, uh, at least for me and, you know, being a Democrat and a progressive, the way I and my cohort or the people that I interact with that are in my same sort of age group is more open, right? So I'm very comfortable talking about Indigenous Peoples Day, and I've Mm -hmm. educated commissioners, Democrat and Republican, about the relevance and importance of it. I'm, uh, you know, the first public speaking thing I ever did as a candidate was come to our Ferndale Planning Commission and talking about a development that um, people had been kind of naysaying about uh, because it might bring um, people from out of town or folks from the other side of Eight Mile. And I went there to say, I want black and brown neighbors. So I think the openness of being able to speak truth to power, if you will, or at least speak clearly and equivocate what it is we're all trying to say, which I think is just in a lot of ways a culture and generational shift. So that's that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, to be honest, an awareness of issues that Rob mentioned, right? Talking about housing insecurity, um, student loan debt, child care, transit, all these sorts of things. I mean, the climate crisis, these are all things that people know about or are conscious of, but having someone at the table who's of this generation, or at least of this stock that's thinking about this front of mind constantly, um, helps make sure that it's at the top of the to-do list. Because as politicians or elected folks will tell you, you know, the to-do list is a hundred items long. So what's going to be your top three or top five things? 
So making sure that being at the table, being able to say, those should include racial, social, economic justice. That's, you know, it's a key part of it. Sure. Sure. Uh, we're talking with uh, Charlie Cavell. He's a Democrat and a member of the Oakland County Commission. He is uh, 32 years old. Also with us is Rob Donovic. He's a Republican and a Livonia City Councilman. He is 31 years old. Uh, we're talking to them in part, at least, because of their ages and uh, the unusual uh, dynamic uh, of having uh, younger people uh, in in elected office, uh, something that isn't as uh, common as it perhaps should be. We're talking about uh, the differences that exist uh, between that kind of representation and the representation that we're a little more used to, which is that uh, older people uh, are kind of dominant in, in government at the state and national level. Uh, we want to hear from you as well during the conversation. Give us a call and let us know uh, why you think we have this kind of domination of older people in politics. What would it take to get more young people to, first of all, be interested in running for office and then be able to win? Uh, how do you think having more young people in government would change our politics and our governance. Also give us a call if you're somebody who is younger and interested in getting involved in politics. Do you feel like there are barriers in front of you that, that shouldn't be? Uh, how do you get around them? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can work you into the conversation. Big Neo on Twitter says, part of the reason younger folk don't run is because of the domination of seniors in office already. There should be an age cap, he says, just like the military. He says, you reach age 65 uh, and you're out. Interesting idea there. I'm not sure uh, that everybody would agree with it, but I think uh, certainly we do have age caps for some things in, in our society. Anthony on Twitter says a barrier to getting involved is that somebody may feel like they have to join one of the only two political parties which have preferential ballot access. That would be the Democrats and the Republicans, of course. He says the prospect of joining either of these two parties, grotesque in their corruption, dissuades uh, the young. That's an interesting perspective uh, as well. Thank you, Anthony. Let's go to the phones here and uh, talk with Dennis. Dennis in Dearborn, welcome to the show. Well, hi. Good morning. Uh, I, I I wish you had our mayor, our 31, 32-year-old mayor. We have had your mayor on the on the program. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I know. I, I, yeah, I know you have, but it, it fits into today. It does. Um, so I, I'm an older person, and what I've come down to right now is I can't walk front lines, I can't do things, so I write a lot of letters, and I support young people. Uh, here in Dearborn, if you're a senior citizen, you can go to, even if you've got college degrees, you can go to Henry Ford uh, Community College. So I went back for four courses just to audit and, and just spread try to spread what I've learned to the young people in those classrooms, and, and it's gone. Um, so, and... I've supported the run for something since it was originated. Is that right? But, yes, but something that frustrates me a little bit is they're very thoughtful, very strategic, very inspiring, but they they don't beat the fear mongers that hit the the board meetings and everything right now with their <laughs> uh, you know the school board meetings who have been able to get people on and elected and and take over like Ottawa County on the other side of our state, mm -hmm. you know, just fear seems to 
reign over thoughtfulness. And then my, my last comment is that both young and old, it's not conservative. We're all conservative in the fact that we're comfortable with what we have. Even if we're not really comfortable, we're, we live to, to be comfortable in ourselves, and that leads to inaction. Hmm. But I've got, you've got young people who said, listen, I'm making it now. I don't need to be bothered with anything else. I'm comfortable. Yeah. So comfort is against political that's action, really, I think. That's a really interesting point, uh, Dennis. Uh, okay, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to have our two guests, Charlie Cavell and Rob Donovic, talk about the things that uh, Dennis just brought up as uh, potential barriers to uh, more young people being involved in politics. We'll also continue to hear from you folks on the phones and on social. 313-577-1019 is the number here. That's 313-577-1019. A little later in the show, we will be talking with Sarah Haddad, who's the chief campaign officer for Run for Something, a nonprofit that recruits and trains young people with progressive leanings to run for office. Uh, so we've got lots still coming on the show. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Today on 101.9 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and really glad you've joined. Our guests right now are Rob Donovic, a Livonia City Councilman who is a Republican and 31 years old. Also with us is Charlie Cavell, an Oakland County Commissioner uh, who is a Democrat and is 32 years old. We're talking about the idea of more young people and younger people. Uh, running for political office uh, and why we don't have more younger people uh, raising their hands, deciding to take a shot at political office and, and governance, uh, what things we can do to remove more barriers uh, for more young people to participate. As always, we want to hear from you on the phones and on social as well. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to uh, Twitter and hashtag us, and we can include you in the conversation that way. I want to go to a particular caller next, uh, someone who is also really interested in and working on this issue. Uh, Rudy Hobbs is co-director for the Michigan Political Leadership uh, Program. Uh, Rudy Hobbs, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be with you, Stephen. How are you doing today? It's good. Uh, it's good to hear your voice. Uh, so, uh, Rudy, uh, talk a little about uh, this idea of uh, the, the, the skew that we have in uh, government right now toward older people and the need to remove barriers and recruit more young people to be part of the process and, and what role MPLP is also playing in all of that. Yeah, I'm I'm really, really proud of the role that I'm able to play with MPLP. I'm a co-director. MPLP actually is Michigan Political Leadership Program, uh, and it's a training. It's a training program for, you know, and I wouldn't say it's just for young people, but it's for people that are interested uh, in going to politics. And But we do see an awful lot of young people uh, apply to the program where we take, you know, primarily 12 Democrats, 12 Republicans, uh, for a class of 24 and really kind of take them around the state, introduce them to issues, 
present, you know, have presenters come in uh, to speak to them and just to educate them on how to really run a campaign, what's important in Michigan. If you want to be an elected official here in Michigan, here are the issues uh, that are important to you. And I think it's, you know, with the training program, I really do think it's important that we equip our young people, you know, with the tools to run an office. I was a 28-year-old school board member mm-hmm. or a school board candidate uh, in Southfield. I think when I won, the next, you know, closest person to me in age was their early 50s. Uh, so, you know, uh, to really be in that situation, I went through MPLP. I felt like I was prepared to be, you know, uh, at that moment, you know, a school board member, you know, and sitting amongst, you know, folks who were, you know, quite frankly, old enough to be my parents, right? So I really do think it's training and, and providing them opportunities, uh, you know, to really kind of hone in on the skill to yeah. serve. Yeah. So, so Rudy, talk about some of the specific things that MPLP does to try to uh, both encourage, but then also prepare people uh, to run for office. It's not that easy to to put yourself out there and to raise money and figure out how to reach uh, you know potential voters. Uh, what what is MPLP actually uh, working on? Well, I think when you walk away from MPLP, I think you'll have the confidence to understand how to put a campaign plan together. Uh, you know, everything starts with a plan when you're running for office. Uh, you know, being able to message, to understand the importance of fundraising, public speaking, uh, a grasp of issues. Uh, you know, so we really kind of, you know, really trained them, you know, on how to, you know, really present yourself and position yourself uh, to be successful, to be able to look at a landscape and understand where your strengths and your weaknesses are and how to really kind of work around your weaknesses. So, you know, it's a true training program, uh, but what I like about it the most is the network hmm. that you're able to, you know, <laughs> you're able to walk away with. I mean, there's over 800, you know, MPLP alumni uh, in places, you know, Jocelyn Benson, the Secretary of State, MPLP alumni. You know, we have, you know, close to 15 MPLP, MPLP alumni in the state house and the state senate right now. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Moss. I mean, so we have, you know, quite a bit, you know, we have a family of people who are everywhere. And so once you graduate, you're part of that family and you have a network uh, and you have resources. Yeah. Yeah. Rudy, I really appreciate uh, you calling in today and, and sharing what uh, MPLP is doing to try to uh, encourage more young folks to run for office. Thanks so much for calling in. Man, I love the fact that you're, uh, you know, you're raising this issue and, you know, giving it some attention. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, I want to go back to our our guests here, Charlie Cavell and Rob Donovic. And before we get back to calls, I want to have each of you talk about um, uh, the dynamic uh, that exists uh, where you're serving now and the fact that uh, you're both – uh, much younger than your colleagues, and I guess the ways in which um, that that plays out. Uh, do you feel uh, sometimes like your age is an issue uh, when you're trying to, to to work with folks? Do you feel like it's a positive issue sometimes, maybe a negative? Uh, just give us a sense of of how all of that feels. Uh, Rob, I'll start with you and uh, talking about Livonia. Yeah, well, running for office is a monumental effort. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time. And what I found as a as a city council member on a board of seven, we rely on one another, and we all have that general respect for one another that you you 
so much of your time is taken away from your family, from your career development, and we talk about what maybe is a barrier for young people getting involved in politics. Well, the time commitment, the commitment that you have to constantly, I mean, there's an event every single day of the week. There is a council meeting multiple times a week. That's time away from family. That's time away from career development. So it is difficult. But what I've found with my colleagues is we all rely on one another. We, we help each other out when we need. And we, we, I mean, we're nonpartisan, but let's face it, the realities of today is people have their partisan beliefs and we have disagreements, especially as the commissioner and it can attest to is, especially during agenda item meetings, we we can disagree on things that we, we butt heads, but right after that meeting, we should come together as colleagues and respect one another and help each other out to make sure that we can continue to do the work we were elected to do. So really it's relying on one another. There's pros and cons to being young or old. Sometimes people don't want to take you seriously. Sometimes people go, you're a city council member. They go, yeah, I'm a city council member. And then some people say, thank God, someone that looks like you or is your age is an elected official because they want that breath of fresh air. But I've noticed from from my personal opinions and experiences rather is that we work together well. And I have some people that have been state representatives, state senators, they're 70 years old. And, and they've they've bestowed a great wealth of knowledge to me. And then I've also helped them. And they say, Rob, I'm so happy you were elected to serve as one of my colleagues because I've only been serving in this capacity for so long, thinking this way. Having you here from a different generational era has really helped me being a better elected official. So I've had positive experiences. But then again, you're always going to have those naysayers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charlie, what, what is it like on the uh, Oakland County Commission? Yeah, I hope um, some of my commission coworkers are listening in because I think they're going to fall out of their chair with how much credit I'm going to give them. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think to what Rob said, right, the hyper-partisanship, and then you come in from, I mean, for us at least, running in 2020 for the first time during a pandemic, winning in 2020, and then just getting reelected in 2022. But um, you have Black Lives Matter. You have kind of the afterglow of the Me Too movement. You have covid and you have all of these things that are then putting everyone on edge. And so then you come into the commission and, you know, the county's budget is about a billion dollars, one billion, seven million this year and um, for our triennial budget. Mm-hmm. And everyone's already in the job working and everyone's already got like COVID fatigue. And so then you kind of have to get in where you can fit in. And then you have to learn how to work with this different group of people that, I I mean, just to say that, you know, what I mentioned earlier about the exchange, I mentioned what I think I had given to my coworkers Mm -hmm. on the commission. Mm -hmm. I think what I've received is is most definitely that uh, first, when you walk into a room, right, the the way you walk in does, you know, you can't deny that your age, your race, your perceived gender, all these things are a part of you when you walk into a room. So like Rob said, that does kind of color people's first impressions of you. But I mean, to be honest, like the commissioners, especially the older ones taught me, I mean, the, the short thing is listening to others, right? To have sincere empathy. I mean, one of the first things we went through is being yelled at for eight hours per meeting at the county commission because of mask mandates. So our meetings that are normally, you know, an hour and a half and they're very business oriented and it's about whether or not to, you know, make the court uh, computer system automated in six months or 12 months and which dollar amount we want to put towards it now versus next year. It became this huge, like intense experience. Um, and that though showed me empathy and it allowed me to have compassion for people that I personally and I think in our district don't necessarily by and large agree with, but that you can't 
deny people their like democracy. Mm -hmm. And so having the the patience, the wisdom, the ability to listen that the other commissioners who'd been there longer and that are older to be able to impart on me to then over time learn it. Right. It took me a while. I'm kind of stubborn. But to <laughs> learn what it really means to listen, what it really means to not just wait for your turn to talk and try and meet people where they are like that's I mean, yeah. No matter what we get done as a county commission, that's one of the biggest things personally I've been able to walk away with is like truly understanding what it means to listen. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to go quickly back to the phones before uh, we want to end the segment and uh, get to Sarah Haddad, who is uh, chief campaign officer for Run for Something. Uh, Kristen in Detroit. Kristen, you're on the air. Hi, Stephen. How are mm-hmm. you? Good. How are you? Good. Um, I just wanted to make a quick point that, you know, one of the reasons that I see um, in my circle and me for me personally, why young people don't run for office is that we just don't have the financial wealth and resources that a lot of older generations had. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, most millennials that I know can't buy homes or they live with their parents still maybe, or they can't have yeah. kids or they only have one mm-hmm. kid because mm-hmm. they can't afford it. So we're very risk averse in the sense of why should I leave a good job, a stable job to run for office? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, we don't, a lot of us don't believe in taking certain financial contributions, um, you know, from maybe PACs or things like that. So it's not going to be a way we're going to become wealthy. Um, so it just, it, it's very risk. I'm very risk averse to yeah. the whole running for office. I, I, I think that's a great point, Kristen. And I'm, I'm glad you called, uh, and I want to absolutely have both of our guests, uh, respond to that. Uh, Charlie, I'll go, I'll go to you first this time. Yeah. I mean, hit the nail right on the head. I mean, I have uh, two brothers-in-law that are living at home with in their childhood home because they can't afford housing. Um, it's not because they didn't go to college or have a job. They both work. They both work full-time, but they just can't get there. And one is 32 with two kids and one is 27. And um, my best friend had to move back from Los Angeles to Macomb County because to live with his parents because he has a kid now. And again, the cost of childcare and housing, you know, Mm -hmm. so to what the caller said, that's definitely a huge impact. And this goes back to why I think it's important. First, when you talk to politicians or when you're thinking about running for elected office, those top three priority issues, what are they? And what we found when we decided to just be honest and transparent in our campaign in 2020 and then again in 2022, to just talk about what mattered to us and then listen to people, was that there are a lot more people that were amongst us that are also worried about income inequality, um, structural racism, the climate crisis, LGBT issues. And I think a big thing with a lot of millennials, not to paint us with a broad brush or try and say something that Rob might not want to see in the same sort of way or not put words in Rob's mouth for him, but I think at least in my cohort, a lot of us want to have the compassion for the other. Yeah. And that's something that we're very clear and intentional about. And yeah, the, the caller hit it right on the head. Yeah. And I think more people being in politics, more people being involved so that, to be honest, you can kind of break up that network or make it decentralized in a way that you don't have to know somebody. You don't have to have as much money. You can see someone reflected in political office that you align with or that you agree with or that you identify with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rob, what, what do you make of those barriers, financial network to, to be able to run for office. So that is the reality of running for office. You got to raise money. You have to build a team. 
you have to get get out there and, and, and discuss, to the commissioner's point, discuss the values that are important to you. But again, the realities of running for office is you have to raise money. As a city council member, I had to raise $50,000 in a matter of months. And I just got back from a tour in the Middle East. So trying to come back home, trying to recalibrate and get used to everyday life and then running for office and then raising a bunch of money deploying all that money to, to resources immediately and getting your name out there in the midst of being attacked by the other political party, by your other political opponents, by, by uh, to the commissioner's point, people coming. I was already a council member, so you have to also go to council meetings and, and you have people coming to your council meetings and, and saying things. Um, so it is a lot. And, and why does a young person want to put themselves through that when they're trying to figure out how they're going to buy maybe their first home or how they're going to get that that next big career bump and, and get that money they're really working for while paying their bills. There's so many uh, r- r- things happening in your day-to-day life. Do I really want to run for office now and add to that? Yeah. I mean, you do put yourself through a lot. And again, we all volunteer for it. And I love being an elected official. I love getting out there and, and voicing uh, my opinion and fighting for the things that matter to me, but running for office truly is a commitment. So when, when people say, Rob, how do I get involved? I always say, you know, one of the best things I ever did was just volunteer for an elected official, volunteer, get involved in some of these uh, different organizations, get involved with a, with a party that you may feel you align with, get involved. You don't have to necessarily run for office, but you can still be very vocal and advocate and get other people that that uh, want to get involved, get them engaged. So you don't necessarily have to run for office just to engage people, but you can get involved in a way that you don't have to face those barriers of running for office. Let's face it, not everybody wants to run for office. Maybe somebody wants to be behind the scenes, so to speak, and get engaged in that way. But if you want to run for office, yeah, there's just realities of doing that. Okay, uh, Charlie Cavell and Rob Donovic. It was really great to have both of you here to talk about uh, being younger than uh, the average representatives and, and running for office. Thanks so much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about why we don't have as many young people running for office as we might and how we might change that. Sarah Haddad is the chief campaign officer for Run for Something, a nonprofit that recruits and trains young people with progressive leanings to run for office. She will join us next to talk about that work. We also will continue to hear from you on social and on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. Gloria in Detroit. Valerie in Detroit will get to you. Again, if you want to join them, 313-577-1019. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Bringing you news that matters. Stories that impact your life. Music from the Motor City and around the world. This is 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about the idea of getting more young people not just interested in, but uh, successful 
uh, running for political office. Uh, we just heard from two young Michigan representatives about what it's like to be in political leadership. Now we're going to talk with Sarah Haddad. She is the chief campaign officer for Run for Something. It's an organization that recruits and trains young progressives to run for office. Uh, Sarah, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. So tell us a little more about uh, Run for Something. Uh, yes, well, you coined it. It's as simple as that, that we recruit and support young progressives who are interested in running for any office. Um, Run for Something was started about five years ago. It was a little kind of side dream to say, maybe we can help people. There was a lot of despondency at the time, um, right after the 2016 election. And so we set up a site that said, if you're interested in running, we want to help you. Thought maybe we would get 15 people or 20 people to sign up. And in the first week or two, a thousand people came out and said they wanted to run for something. So then um, the organization was born. Um, since that time, we've had 125,000 people come out and say that they're interested in learning about running for something. Um, we uh, support and endorse people. We've had over 2,500 endorsements since that time. And we've had over 800 of our endorsement, endorsed candidates that have made it through office. So we focus on state and local. You know, there's enough attention that's been focused on the higher levels of office. And we really feel that this is where we can have an impact. Um, you know, right now, America's government is run as a gerontocracy and young people are wildly underrepresented um, and really missing those perspectives in the rooms where policy decisions are, make, are being made. Hmm. So how successful is this uh, effort? And what are some of the barriers, I guess, that uh, you feel like still need to fall in order for more young people to, to look at this and say, hey, I, I, can, actually, I can actually do this? Uh, well, you know, we are trying to demystify some of the challenges in running for office. Um, they, they do exist, as we just heard from your representatives that were on aptly. You know, there are some sacrifices that our candidates make in deciding to serve. And we think that if there's a critical mass of folks who really have that idea in office, that's when we can change some of these barriers to running for office and, and you kind of re-envision what these institutions will be that encourage people to come in. I think a lot of people are not running because um, they don't see themselves in office and they think that it's more difficult than it is. You know, building out a plan is something we absolutely help with. All, you know, throw out everything you think about progressive politics and come to us and we want to help you at that stage. Um, and so it just, it goes from there. It is, as, as your representatives also mentioned, there's ways to really get a lot of experience before making the actual decision to jump into uh, running for office, but we're here to help all along the way. And a lot of times we help with people just in making that decision and trying to decide what they might be interested in running for. You know, we, we kind of break it down that figure out what is the problem that you're most interested in solving and then you know, we'll bring you into that and try to figure out what is the best seat for you to run for if there's something you're eligible for that will help solve that problem and then build your story around that. Um, what is going to be the compelling piece that brings voters, um, you know, uh, to support you, bring them out to support you? Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Uh, let's go to Gloria in Detroit. Gloria, welcome to the show. Hello. Hey, Gloria. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Okay, um, I'm... I don't think the children are being taught anything about government now. So they, they don't have any idea 
the difference between a senator or a state representative or anything. Yeah, I, you know, Gloria, that's a that's a pet uh, issue of mine too. What we teach young people about, uh, you know, uh, about government and and responsibility and the the opportunities we have to to kind of shape our own futures. Uh, Sarah, uh, w- w- what do you see uh, with that in young people? Do we have a, a knowledge gap? I guess that we need to address. Uh, yeah, well, you know, some of it just goes back to the folks who are in positions of power to decide what kind of curriculum is being um, discussed in, in school and what's being allowed in school. Um, you know, we have uh, some major state legislative races in Virginia this year. Uh, one of our endorsed candidates, Matthew Little, um, was on Governor Northam's commission um, to promote um, African-American history education. So she's put into a position of power, you know, having that kind of voice um, to make sure that we're advocating to have a complete understanding of things that will help inform also governance and civics or things like that that could be part of the curriculum if we have the right people in place when those decisions are being made. So absolutely agree with Gloria. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gloria, I really appreciate the call uh, and the comments. Let's go to Dave in Ferndale. Dave, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Hey, go ahead. Good. Okay. It was just the point was that uh, uh, before the post-World War II boom, most families lived in three-generational homes, which helped with economic um, problems, taking care of children, seniors, and then passing on family and ethnic history. Um, in some ways, I actually think, yeah, three, you know, the three generations living in the, in the parents' home is actually a good idea. And you feel, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Sarah. I'll, I'll, I would say this is, that's an interesting perspective and uh, a nod to history. Um, but some of that speaks to why it's so important to have young people, again, that are now in policy and decision-making rooms. You know, the youngest uh, young people make on average half of what someone in their late 40s is making. So budgeting looks different and allocations around budgeting looks different. Um, you know, as we heard earlier on the show, young people are more likely to be renters and less likely to have emergency savings. You know, a very uh, timely topic is when we're talking about student loan forgiveness and how do you get beyond that uh, to start a career when that's something that's co- consistently over your head. So that's great. Uh, you know, things should adapt and should change, and it's important that we have those perspectives in the room that are really, really experiencing them now in order to help with those decisions. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about the the, the idea of recruiting left-leaning and progressive young people uh, to the to the process and how important it is right now. I, you know, there are a lot of people who say there isn't an opportunity to make progressive change inside government, that you've got to kind of be outside, almost uh, smashing uh, institutions and, and, and forcing them to change that way. I'm, I wonder if you can talk about uh, the idea of, of progressive uh, politics from inside the process. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe that both both are, um, you know, incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to have people who are coming from the communities in which they're serving in order to make those kind of uh, judgment calls on how a certain policy is going to affect that community. So it's maintaining those kind of ties to communities that you were, you know, a part of before and organizations 
there's a whole political ecosystem that works on this, and it's not just for people who are directly tied to electoral work, but there's a lot of advocacy going on, a lot of voter engagement, people with their pulse on the uh, feelings of the communities. And so having this kind of model where there's co-governance, you know, we put a lot of value in people who have come from an organizing background and then step into an electoral position. They have some sort of skill, like natural skills that come with that from, from listening to communities and building support within communities that are really applicable once they're in a position of uh, leadership. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to take uh, one more call here, Valerie in Detroit. Hey. Valerie, welcome hey, to the good show. Good morning, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, your, your calls have covered a lot of my points this morning, but I think that, you know, having younger people in politics uh, is especially important for all of the reasons that all of you guys have stated today. And also, I see it as because they kind of have skin in the game. When you are a young person, you're raising families, you are struggling with home ownership, all of those things that we've talked about, you do have a different perspective. Uh, in terms of maybe how to make those changes to just make the world a better place. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, let's get some younger people in office and uh, help us change our old antiquated ways of thinking <laughs> and make some real progress in the world. Because you know what? It's, it's, it's the same old, as they say, same old politics, same old stuff we've been dealing with for 30, 40 years. No change. Time for some new blood to uh, get in there and uh, just make things happen. So, yeah, yeah. great show today. Valerie, really appreciate uh, the call and the comments, Sarah. I'll give you a chance to respond. Yeah, I mean, she, she's absolutely right. Um, I think for a while we were stagnant, too, because people were disillusioned with the kind of effects that our current government is having. I mean, just to break it down, our Congress currently is the third oldest in history. Uh, the average age in the Senate is 64, which actually makes it the second oldest Senate on record. Um, 30 out of 50 of our U.S. governors are 60 and older. Uh, the average age of U.S. mayor uh, of major city is 58. Meanwhile, the median American is 38 years old. Um, so the idea that we can have people who are infusing, you know, th- we are not saying that there's um, not a value to having people who have uh, other experiences also in office, but just the dearth of young perspectives in office is really where we come in um, and try to make sure that we're making a difference. So if you're out there <laughs> and you have any interest um, or think you might be interested or maybe know someone else who might be interested, um, runforwhat.net is where you can sign up and we'd love to hear from you um, really anyone who's interested uh, we are here to support you yeah okay uh, Sarah Haddad the chief campaign officer for run for something it was really really great to have you here with us on Detroit thank you today. so much thanks I enjoyed it joining. yeah and thanks for pushing this and advancing this issue it's really so important yeah it's a really fascinating part of our politics uh, thanks for being here Okay, that is going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow, and we're going to have more great programming for you here on Detroit Today. If you like this show and enjoy listening, you should share Detroit Today. You can do that at WDET.org or on our Detroit Today podcast, which you can download wherever you get podcasts. Uh, It really helps to share the show and get more people to be part of the community that we are building here to have these discussions every day. Detroit Today is produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Our student producer is Taylor Davis. And Detroit Today's music is created by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.